This is a day in the life of a man who isn't very good at golf, but who loves the game and who's going on the road to play golf with a friend he hasn't played with in, I don't know, 10 years probably. And, and he, on the road because he lives in Dublin or in the south side of Dublin in a place called Greystones. Uh, in the back of the car is Louis, English setter, family dog. <laughs> I was going to say love of my life. But Louis is going to a kennel and I'm driving across Cork City from this, this, the north side to the south side, if you like, underneath the uh, Jack Lynch Tunnel, up past the airport of in Cork, um, out to a kennels which is owned by people who are in, if you like, the same pony club as we're in. So today is going to be for me a lovely day because there'll, it'll be, there'll be plenty of opportunity to do uh, to, to record in my mobile studio. And besides driving the car, there'll be precious little else to do except listen to the radio or perhaps put on a uh, CDs. I I. I'm a big uh, CD guy, I don't really play much uh, music, uh, uh, well I don't play music in any other way in the car and I don't have my Spotify linked to, to my car because I have a 2008 Black Audi A3 and the radio system doesn't connect up and the little thing that I have, which is called a Parrot doesn't work very well so I tend to skip that so the good thing is first thing in the morning I get to drive down along the side of a tributary of the River Lee past uh, great trees uh, right and left on both banks of the river the weather is fine it was very chilly last night it's fresh this morning if you like and I have no idea because I don't remember what it said on the weather app. In, in fact, I don't think I looked up the weather app in relation to uh, Greystones. Uh, the further east I would go in Europe, the hotter it would get. So I'm kind of anticipating that it'll be warmer on the east coast of Ireland than it is down on the south coast. Um, I like um, uh, recording an eclectic mix of stuff so maybe some of it will be uh, music uh, that I like um, played from the radio though um, and uh, more of it will be descriptions of where I'm going through more of it will be fairly random thoughts and I'm quite sure some of it will be about golf. I won't uh, go recording golf on the golf course, although I would love to do that. I would love to record conversation 
deliberate conversation with Jim, his name is Jim Benchy, uh, with, uh, with me about golf and and books actually. He, he has a, a big job with a publisher and, uh, and I suppose since his job is public I should know and I should be able to tell you which of the major publishing houses. I might get this wrong but he might be with Random House um, and he might well be director of an area but I am. I was looking for his business card yesterday, and I can't remember um, where it is. Uh, he and I had a great match about ten years ago. In God, was it in Seville or was it on in Lisbon? I mean, it was when we were off in a, with a group of people. Uh, now I remember Jim Binchy as hitting the ball a mile, and I do not. I, I literally mean, you know, the length that a professional golfer would hit it. He's a very big man, so when he connected, um, the, the ball just uh, disappeared out of sight, and he would outdrive me by 70 yards, I would have thought. So I have no idea what handicap he plays off. Um, I uh, hope I get some. Uh, shots from him but I do know that he's been playing very very little this year although he's been off on a golf trip with uh, one of my brothers recently which was something like you know played three golf courses in three days and I know they played La Hinch and uh, I think they may have played Dunbeg these are fairly well, La Hinch, I think, is a particularly good links golf course. Um, I wouldn't myself be keen ever to play in Dunbeg again because it's owned by the president of the family of the president of the United States. And uh, for better or worse, I cannot bring myself to hand money over to the Trumpist cause whether I'll be tempted out of that position is another uh, but that's what I'm saying is my position on where I play golf I am one of these people who can be influenced and is influenced by causes and if I am in favour of a cause I tend to be not lukewarm so I'm very happy to talk to Trumpists, if I could find them, but there aren't any in Ireland except uh, I know one person who um, uh, says many good things about Trump's ability to communicate and his ability at political strategy. Um, but apart from him, I haven't got anybody else, and I certainly don't have anyone who's a kind of mad, raving, far rightist. I don't have any far rightists in my in my world. So that's it. That's the kind of day I'm going to record in in audio. Oh, I'm also, and this will be a big part. I'm also going to listen. I'm quite sure to, and this is an ideal opportunity to do it. And I'll probably listen for about an hour 
to the Picnic on Hanging Rock by, or I think it's Picnic on Hanging Rock. I don't think it's that picnic. I think it's Picnic on Hanging Rock. I can't even remember the name of the author, but I can tell you that Robert Neal is the person who reads it. And I finally got around to last night uh, listening to the whole of the beginning of it. Together with the uh, uh, wonderful um, sort of uh, opener uh, uh, to the very personal reading um, by uh, Georgie D in Perth, Australia. So I, I well, I can't actually recommend the book yet. I can always recommend Robert Neal's reading, but I haven't been grasped by the book. I know its reputation and I know that is there a second film of it? Have they recently redone the film? I don't know. I know that the, the book was begun or no, the book begins on Valentine's Day and uh, any book that begins on Valentine's Day talking about adolescent uh, ways, I suppose. It has to do a lot to interest me. It'll be the quality of the writing. I think some things happen in that book which are fairly... Uh, there's a lot of tension and a good deal of mystery. And I'm pretty sure that the the, the party from the college or where they've come from, where they're at the school that they're at, I'm pretty sure they don't get back to the college uh, on time at the end of the day after their, after their picnic. Um, uh, there we are. That's it. I won't be reading from Wanderlust uh, today. There's life, so I do hope to be listening to. Playing uh, a horn. Um, there is somebody who, who my son recommended as. Oh no, Malcolm Gladwell. Now my son, uh, Benjamin, who's an actor and lives in London and does a lot of other things in addition to being an actor, but is a very discriminating person, I would say, in general. I highly recommended Malcolm Gladwell's podcast to me as, I think he said, the best podcast he'd ever heard, the most professionally produced podcast he'd ever heard. And he was right to say that I am interested in Malcolm Gladwell's ideas, um, two ideas uh, particularly stand out in my mind, well one in most of all, and it is, well, outliers. Um, it is his summary of uh, the 10,000 hours, uh, I'll call it the 10,000 hours theory, which brings me in mind of a book called Bounce by Matthew Syed, who writes for the London Times, which is all about the the 10,000 hours 
Peary and his, uh, is a terrifically interesting book full of loads of stories about people who learned in different ways uh, what they learned thinking in particular of a uh, table tennis player whose name escapes me who became world champion and he began playing table tennis in a space where there was hardly room to move behind the table and he thereby became particularly strong over the table and he managed to beat uh, Chinese players by uh, and this was the key thing, it wasn't that his reflexes were faster than anybody else when they measured them, but it was he was able to, he uses the word clunk, all the information that he was soaking in, and he was even able to tell where the opponent was going to hit the ball before the opponent had actually decided where to hit it. Almost impossible to believe. Uh, that's about 10,000 hours can't remember why this came up but I wish you for the moment a very very good day and uh, I'm hoping that I also have a very good day but we'll have to see how it unfolds and uh, I'll be dropping Louis going home picking up a bag making sure I have all the necessary golf gear which I do believe I have making sure I don't leave battery for my recently acquired uh, golf cart, electric golf cart, battery driven golf cart and uh, anyway we'll see what's in store it's another uh, from Cork with Love adventure This is from La Traviata by Verdi, Act 1.
I wish I could recognize the two voices, but I can't. She's awfully good. Uh, Alan Trebkov, Marty recommends all this week, and that's uh, that really is uh, is quite something. It's it's one of those uh, albums. You could, as I said, you can literally drop the needle uh, because no matter where you go, it's um, it's just terrific. Anyway, well done, well done. Uh, now, um, did he say Anna Lovchenko? I don't know her at all. A very rounded voice. Yeah, fine, strong voice, and I admire the tenor as well. That's, uh, anyway, there we go on Irish uh, Radio Lyric FM, it's called. A, a station that broadcasts from Limerick. It's part of Radio Televisharen, which is known as RTE, the Irish National Broadcaster, but they have a kind of outstation in Limerick, uh, which is their classical music station, although they also do a few other things like, if I remember rightly, they might also do some jazz, but not, not until the evening. Ireland has a Minister for Health, Simon Harris, who's full of energy, he's young, and he sounds good. He sounds as if he's committed to improving the health of the Irish people, but he's a waffler, and he believes that he can fool people into thinking that things are going on by talking about plans. Certainly it sounds like that to me. I've just heard him with Marion Finucane on the radio. The whole interview began with her asking him about scoliosis, the, the treatment of scoliosis, and I don't even know what scoliosis is. But she said to him, Minister, I'll play you what you said last year or something. So she plays him what he says. And he says, well, within a certain period of time, and he names it, there will be nobody waiting for more than four months for treatment for scoliosis. And that's his commitment, and that's also the commitment of the head of the health service executive. And no, he hasn't achieved it. Now, he was let off the hook by Marion. He wasn't asked why he hadn't achieved it, or why it hadn't been achieved. And he then proceeds to be interviewed about a big grand plan for the improvement of the Irish Health Service. A 10-year plan, can you believe it? 
I mean, it's a farce to have a 10-year plan. You know, it, uh, it's just, you can't monitor a 10-year plan. And he says, you can hold me accountable to this. And people like you, Marion, that means the media, can put me on the spot about this. And we'll report every six months on progress. And we have timelines against these things. And what has he got timelines against? A whole load of plans. We intend to restructure the service. We intend to appoint a new board. We intend to make new hospital beds available. Well, anybody, but anybody can have intentions, but track record, and you can't, unless you can stand, unless your track record is good, nobody in their right mind should believe you. Unless you've delivered on a few specific projects which you promised, and also refuse to promise to do things that you can't deliver. You are, in my book, a waffler. Now, Chicago got the name the Windy City because there were a whole load of Irish politicians in Chicago promising stuff to people which they didn't deliver. And it came to be known as the Windy City because they were all full of hot air, or in Chicago's case, probably cold air in the winter and hot air in the summer. I used to think that the Windy City had something to do with the climate in Chicago, but no, it had to do with the behavior of Irish politicians in Chicago, or Anglo or Irish American politicians in Chicago. Well, this minister is windy. And in future, I'm gonna call him the windy politician. And in fact, I think this government is windy. Now, I've no reason to believe that any other government would be better. We have the, it's the luxury of an opposition to point out these things and to make their own promises, which of course can't be tested. They have no track record of making things better. The Irish Health Service is getting better. It is but at a, a pace, at a speed, which is abysmal. And this minister said it was abysmal. And this minister said it was unacceptable. And of course he said it was unacceptable. No longer acceptable to do this, and no longer acceptable to do that. Easy, vacuous words. Simon Harris, I can have no influence over him, but I was listening to him on the radio in about a 15-minute interview. And to say I was disappointed would be a mega understatement. I expect nothing from him except impressive words, impressive energy. And he's an impressive young politician who I'm inclined to believe will someday become the Taoiseach in the country. But I am not impressed. He has done some good things in the past. He has fought a really good and effective fight in favor of the legalization of abortion. But we wait to see how long it'll take for that to be implemented, for the new uh, laws to be passed. But he did at least fight the fight for the hearts and minds of people well. But a friend of mine said he's full of hot air. And at the time I was doubtful I thought, look, he's doing a good job, especially on an issue which was very important to me. But that 
is a kind of a, a sort of a health issue? Well, it is a health issue. It's a lot bigger than a health issue, the abortion issue. But in the area where he has, if you like, total accountability. Yeah, I, I have, I'm not at all impressed. needed and I took my time over the coffee I've 99 kilometers to go and I have about 80 minutes to go before I'm due to be there no I have less than that I've only got 50 minutes to go 99 kilometers in 50 minutes What delayed me was that I got, uh, <laughs> I got into writing another song, lyrics. I seem to have taken to this with alacrity, having a go at writing song lyrics. This one is called Condescending Me. Condescending Me. I have to look up and see on the internet if anybody else has ever uh, written a song or recorded a song called with the word condescending in it. I've actually written this, the, the song in the voice of a woman. has uh, condescending me and condescending you there's a refrain in it so I'll give it to my collaborator to my the real songwriter really I'm the lyricist really but you know and when you think of great operatic collaborators who knows who wrote the words for La Traviata who wrote the words for Otello who wrote the words for Falstaff who wrote the words for La Forza del Destino who wrote the words for La Boheme nobody well, of course, some people do. I suppose of those... I suppose Verdi's librettist is the, uh, is the best known. So... But I... I care not about being known. What I care about is... somebody, just one person in the whole world putting a piece of uh, music to uh, something, to some words I've written. That I do care about. That would be, uh, 
that 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 will be terrific. There are song writers who collaborated over both music and lyrics, Lennon and McCartney, for example. Lennon wrote lyrics, McCartney wrote lyrics, they both wrote music. Mind you, the Beatles were probably the most talented group in the history of pop music. There were other collaborators who stuck, literally, to what they were good at. Like uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Like uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. Sullivan's a great composer of music. An absolutely wonderful composer of music. And then others, like Wagner, wrote both the music and the words. But that's their business. It's just some of the things that pop into my head as I drive forward for the next stage of the adventure. I have sent a text ahead to my golf partner and he's been kind enough to say, oh that is just about right. I think we have a tea time at ten past two and I have absolutely no idea how busy the golf club in, in Greystones is going to be. It may be, course may be empty for the afternoon. Maybe there'll be absolutely no rush when we get there and we can go off at whatever time we like. On the other hand, we may have a tea time which expires five minutes later. And then we're out of position. Or we've held everybody else up. Or worst of all, we're rushing. I don't like rushing hard enough to hit a golf ball without having to rush. There are cows in the field, some brown, some grey, some black. There are pine trees on the left, fields on the right, no animals in the fields on the right. I guess some of the land on the right is what's called set-aside. Grants are given to farmers, as far as I know, to not work the land, to not uh, set it to cattle and not grow crops on it. It's for nature conservation. And they're paid a, a grant by the EU In today's paper, one of the ministers in the Irish government, uh, is, it's reported that he has been urging farmers to grow trees. And he said in the course of urging farmers to grow trees, he said, I know a lot of farmers consider that's the same as giving up. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know that farmers considered planting trees on their farm to be giving up. The minister was arguing that trees should be seen the same way as other cash crops. Maybe, maybe you don't know this about 
Ireland and forestry. The whole island was once covered in forests. Yeah, I don't know if there was any unforested part of the island. But I tell you, all the trees were cut down. Ireland has, well not all of them, but huge numbers were cut down. First of all, to make it possible for people to farm. I'm going back a long time now to enable people to grow crops and engage in animal husbandry. We're pausing here to pay the toll. There's a motorbike in front of me. And the guy on the bike is taking his time. No preparation. God, he's slower than a truck. I've never seen a motorbike take so long. Thank you. How much do motorbikes pay? One euro. Thanks. Yes, Ireland was forested. So there was the original deforestation, which was probably, you know, more than sustainable. Although no doubt it turned uh, areas of the country into bog or helped create bog. And that's another story. But the Napoleonic Wars, during the Napoleonic Wars, in the late 18th century, huge numbers of trees were cut down in order to build ships. Yeah, England needed ships. So that's where I think the forests went in Ireland. And Ireland has one of the lowest percentages of its land under forest in Europe. You would think that France couldn't possibly have as, as big an area of forestry as Ireland. You'd probably think that Germany, because it has the Black Forest, probably the only forest I know in Germany, but that's huge. But you probably think Germany has a lot of forests. You probably think Spain doesn't have many forest, much forest nor Portugal. Goodness knows where you find the forests in Italy. But if my memory is correct, and I say all this subject to Google, Ireland is one of the lowest. And the reason the minister was speaking up in favor of forestry is because Ireland is missing its carbon targets and if Ireland continues to miss its carbon targets it will pay 
significant financial pen penalties in 1930. And I'm talking about huge financial penalties. And if anything, the amount of carbon being produced in Ireland is going up. The future lies in the hands of farmers and their cows producing methane. Again, subject to double-checking my facts, I believe that methane is one of the greatest pollutants of the environment in Ireland and that Ireland has probably produces more methane per head of population than anywhere else in Europe and that's farmers now you could say that for every new cow or for every existing cow farmers should have to plant X number of trees I don't know how many trees it takes to counteract the methane from a cow but I'd love to know. Wouldn't you love to know that? Wouldn't that really help you to get through life in a more satisfying way? Anyway, I tease, but the adventure goes on from Cork with Love Adventure. See you later, I hope. Well, I got to the golf club late. I, yeah, I'd completely misjudged the time. I'd spent too long drinking coffee. And I went uh, and played uh, 15 holes of golf. Uh, we won't say anything about the standard because it wasn't good enough to be reported on. So that'll tell you what the standard of the golf was like. And then, I went uh, with the lads to three, three people in all, four of us in all, if you count me. I went up and had d d dinner in the uh, golf club, um, a couple of uh, pints of uh, Guinness um, dinner, and then uh, into the into Greystones. Now everything from there on has been a most incredible experience. I discovered, a, I've discovered a place I've never been to before, but which was almost made for me to live in. I, I cannot think of anything that I would want to change in from what I've seen in Greystones. I'm just over the, uh, over the moon about what Greystones is like. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I'm, I now need to, it's now the morning of Thursday and I need to find out um, how I get back to Cork. I know I have to go to a place called Delgany and I was told whether it was left or right but I can't be 100% sure what I was told. I think it's right but I will, uh, I will go uh, in a second and drive all the way back to, to Cork. Um, I'm looking at WhatsApp and WhatsApp is telling me that the journey to Cork is 3 hours and 20 minutes and I'm starting from here and obviously I'm starting from here there's no car behind me, thank goodness am I going left? this is telling me to go left, right 
Well, let's go 289 kilometers. Um, now, let me just see. Um, I'm going left, I'm carrying on, and I'll be all right. Um, I have to turn, yeah, so it's the most glorious day. There are some clouds, but the sky is beautifully blue. Last night, late at night, on our way back, walking back from the pub, um, the, the, uh, I saw a meteor. Yes, there were, there was shooting stars in the sky. Oh, Delgany is straight on, perfect. Um, shooting stars in the sky, and I have never seen a meteor before. And uh, the others saw three of them. I only saw uh, one, but it was dramatic and I won't ever forget it. Um, very close, it seemed, and very quick, and a big uh, stream out behind it. I mean, it would, whatever you call a stream of light, or as it looked like a stream of smoke coming out the back of, of, of the meteor. It was terrific. But to come back to Greystones, Greystones has in no, a, a train. I'll go through them in order of importance. The Dart, the train station, the train that runs you into the centre of Dublin and actually can take you on down to, to Waterford as well, down the east coast of Ireland. So that's a fantastic facility because driving in from Greystones would be, in, I think, a bit of a nightmare. Anyway, it has, you're right close to the, the motorway the M50 so you could drive to the airport around by the M50 pretty easily although that would be a bit like driving around the M25 in London um, so the, then so it's got trains it's got a very small number of pubs and I was only in one of them but who cares there are three pubs in 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 Greystones and that's more than enough for me since I would almost certainly want to Oh my goodness, where do I go? Do I go left or right? It looks like I go right. Basically, what do I do? I turn here, I turn left. Okay. Am I going in the correct direction? No, I'm not. No, I gotta turn around and go back. Okay gonna do recalculating but I don't want it to recalculate. I'm gonna turn around and go the way. That's a complication you kind of wish that people would put traffic lights uh, or not traffic lights signposts but they all assume that you know where the traffic lights are. I'm talking about traffic lights when I really meaning signposts. Anyway, the uh, yeah the train station. It has a swimming pool. It has a, uh, a a bookshop. It has some pubs. It has great looking cafes, restaurants, um, golf courses. Um, it also has. I'm not much interested in this tennis courts and. GAA pictures. Um, it has beautiful views. It's by the seaside. Um, it's got beaches. It's got. 
I mean, what doesn't it have? I can't think. Now, I did see it on the best imaginable uh, day, weather. Um, oh, it's got walks. You can walk from Greystones to Bray. Apparently, it's about six or seven kilometers, and you, but you can walk along the cliff. It's in Wicklow as opposed to Dublin. It's a town in its own right, about 20,000 people, which is a, a great number. Yeah, so you could say if, if anything happened and I had to move um, to the east coast of Ireland, I would be looking to move to Greystones now. Oh, here's a pub, which is, I got outside it. It's, uh, it's, it's the Wicklow Arms, it may be a hotel as well. But anyway, 1856, that's what it is, 1856. And the, uh, yeah, so Greystones, G-R-E-Y, I think, S-T-O-N-E-S, Greystones. But this whole area around here, I'm just, uh, looking at it if this would now of course in this place that I'm driving through now is I uh, got wonderful trees around it uh, slim little road uh, probably houses in the back there somewhere probably very big houses but it would be in the center of Greystones I'd want to be I've always been an urban person I've always wanted to be near the center of an urban area I'd much prefer do that than live in a suburbs. Um, Glanmire is about as far out to where I live in Cork, is about as far out of the centre of anywhere that I'd like to be. Uh, but my main uh, living place in my life has been walking distance almost to the centre, even in London. I ne never lived more than a taxi ride from you know, like uh, Trafalgar Square, right? Here's the Here's the way to Dublin. And I'm going to stop recording in a second because I shall be on the motorway. And I just wanted to sort of bring this little mini trip. Well, for me, it's a big trip because, oh, I haven't mentioned all the, the great people that I met. Uh, I met one man that I hadn't met in 10 years and I haven't no idea and he he recognized me and but I have to say I couldn't remember where I'd met him before um, and he said that we played a round of golf together in Killarney um, at least it must be at least 10 years ago in fact I'd say it was longer in fact I do know it was longer more like 15 years ago Anyway, we, uh, but a great, what you'd say in Ireland, a great crack, wonderful company. Um, and last night in the pub, and then this morning breakfast, they weren't all there, there were only, there were f five of us sitting around a table for breakfast this morning. And I can tell, you know, and this is delightful, that I would be welcome back there again to uh, join in with them on, on future occasions. And that is lovely, to kind of get a strong feeling that you are welcome. You know, nobody exactly has to say it, but you know, you, 
and I would enjoy their company. That's the other part, which is probably, you know, for me, it's one thing to be welcome back, but to be welcome back into company that you don't particularly want to go back to is is kind of, you know, better than not being welcome back into company you don't want to be with. But to be to be uh, to to want to go back to the company of people that's that's a real uh, that's a real I don't know achievement of some sort and it's a real testament to uh, to, to life really um, it's possible to move in and out of all sorts of groups without ever wanting to see that group again so all I can say is it's uh, been fabulous so uh, I'm going to call this the end of the the end of the trip and uh, so this is uh, from Cork <laughs> with love via Greystones uh, adventuring adventures.